Now on Radio 3, the final episode of Small Steps, Big Impact with Sally Ho. This week, it's all about becoming an environmental activist. Welcome to the final episode of Small Steps, Big Impact. I'm Sally Ho. We've been on a radio journey together over the past few weeks and discovering how easy and hassle-free going green can be. It's been so fun to explore everything from going zero waste shopping to dining out sustainably. But there's still one thing I want you to join me on and that's supporting an environmental cause. Like I said before, there are no hard and fast rules when it comes to living a low carbon lifestyle. Hopefully, I've been able to prove that being more sustainable doesn't always mean making enormous life changes. You just need to switch a few things here and there and gradually make it a part of your lifestyle. Today, I want to show you that we can also be doing our part by striving to be an activist. Yes, even people like you and me we're able to contribute in our own small ways. It can be as easy as spreading the word about plastic pollution or encouraging your closest friends and family members to join you for a meatless meal. All these actions help raise awareness about the ways we can tread a little lighter on the planet. Another great way is to find out what cause you're most passionate about. Once you've figured that out, you can start seeing whether you can help out an organization focused on that issue. For me, air pollution is the one issue that I really want to tackle here in Hong Kong. And that's why I decided to go and talk to Patrick Fung of Clean Air Network to find out ways I can support this environmental cause. Patrick, it's great to be with you here at Clean Air Network. And before I get into the nuts and bolts of being an environmental activist, I'd love for you to introduce yourself, tell us a bit about your background, your story, and how you got into being with Clean Air Network. Thank you, Sally. So um, I'm CEO of Clean Air Network, and um, I, I actually came from a um, advertising background. So um, I, after my graduation, I joined an advertising agency, and then uh, tragedy um, was new. And uh, one of the things that I always like to do is to um, really um, get to use my skills, which I learned from a um, journalism um, um, major in the university, and then what I learned from the uh, advertising agency to uh, do something for social causes. And then um, I think 10 years ago, I came into a, um, a ad that recruiting um, campaigner for clean air. And then at that time, I think, uh, oh, it's something new. I, I have never seen uh, something like that before. And um, I think it would be uh, something that Hong Kong needs. Um, at that time, I don't know much. I didn't know much about um, air pollution. 
I learned uh, on my job, and then um, gradually I feel that um, I'm still uh, trying to advertising something. But then right now I'm advertising um, how people can make changes uh, to clean air, and that would be beneficial for um, basically um, everybody. So uh, here I am. I'd love to know more about what Clean Air Network does. So while I'm here, let's talk about your organization and tell me more about the kind of work that you guys do. How do you operate on a daily basis? What kind of work? Um, the Clean Air Network has a mission to clean up the air of Hong Kong until it reaches um, the standard of the World Health Organization recommended safe level. And then uh, for us to tackle the issue, um, actually it is um, difficult. We are not the one who produce, say, um, air purifier. We are not the one who are uh, making the policy. We are not the one um, who could control a lot of um, uh, variables in the society. Um, for example, uh, we are not running the public transport. We are not doing uh, the marine vessels. We are not generating energy. But then... These people uh, are the people that we have to convince them um, that they could do something in order to make change. So uh, in short, our daily operation would be oriented towards how we could make this work. Uh, for example, we have uh, policy research. Uh, we would like to convince um, the stakeholders, the policymakers, what are the uh, policy toolbox that they could deploy in order to further reduce air pollution in Hong Kong. We also have um, the empowerment empowerment uh, programs. So we spend some time on planning and executing uh, those programs, uh, targeting, say, uh, schools, um, individuals, uh, corporates. And then we also have a knowledge arm. Uh, this is a new thing for us. Uh, we try to do more about um, how to communicate um, the knowledge developed by uh, the scientists either in Hong Kong or uh, overseas uh, to um, people who are interested in air quality or environmental issues. Tell me more about why clean air is your environmental issue and how big is the problem globally? How does it relate to climate change as well? Uh, it is, uh, I, I think it is everybody's environmental issue. Uh, everybody breathe. Uh, we can live without food for 30 days, 60 days. We can live without water for three days. We can't live with, um, without air for like two minutes. But what we're doing now is to differentiate uh, the clean air versus the, versus the bad air. Um, I think uh, it is a environmental issue for me, especially um, uh, this is the first initiative that started in Hong Kong that focused uh, and dedicated uh, all its effort uh, on air quality, one issue alone. And I have I had the privilege uh, to join this and it slowly became uh, one of the things that uh, personally I would like to achieve um, in my career. And then I also see this uh, not only in uh, the perspective of the environmental impact, but also social impact. So how we can through um, communicating clean air issues with everybody to arouse awareness of uh, everybody on um, environmental issues, on how they could do more uh, to um, uh, enhance sustainability uh, of our neighborhood, on how we could enhance level of knowledge 
uh, in terms of um, environmental issues. So this is uh, how I see um, uh, clean air matters to me. Um, if we look at this um, from the global perspective, um, it is an issue um, that um, affects more uh, towards the um, uh, developing uh, economies, but also it is a matter for, of uh, developed uh, economies as well. For developing um, countries, I think um, nine out of ten people they are affecting. They they are at the moment exposed to. Um, level of air pollution that exceeds the World Health Organization uh, standard. And uh, it would imply a lot of um, health consequences uh, to the people. Um, and then eventually it would be a financial consequences to them because they have uh, just a couple of choices uh, on the table. For example, they could stop working, uh, go to doctor, but it means that they have to pay for the uh, medical cost. Uh, due to you know respiratory uh, disease um, that caused by air pollution, or they could um, uh, choose to do nothing. Uh, they continue to work by the roadside, commute by the roadside, but exposed to air pollution on a daily basis until at a point that they would have to stop because of um, again the respiratory um, issues. We have seen a lot of these examples during the COVID time, um, how airborne uh, bacteria are affecting. Uh, people and uh, COVID would be a more important matter in, in neighborhood or locations with high uh, air pollution. So um, I think as a whole, um, for uh, those advanced economy, they also are affected by air pollution because um, there are uh, vehicles, uh, road vehicles in the CBD of any cities um, that would affect uh, the pedestrian and all the commuters in close proximity. And also, we have seen enough how cities rely on um, a car-oriented city planning that is not going to sustain. And uh, we understand that uh, some cities are trying to uh, retrofit all this, but they encounter uh, a lot of the issues, including resources of or technical or technological issues. But then we are looking forward to see more new cities who will build their own cities in a new um, mentality which is uh, closer to sustainable um, living or sustainable um, uh, urban planning principles. And what about in Hong Kong specifically? How big is it an issue in our city and how does it affect our everyday lives? Is it the same level of impact that you're talking about in terms of social, economical, health costs and the environment as well? So back in Hong Kong, I think um, uh, there are some research which try to um, estimate the societal cost of air pollution. One example is the Hong Kong Youth School of Public Health. There is a Hadley Environmental Index that um, estimates the annual uh, premature death due to air pollution is around 3,000 um, deaths um, per year. And uh, there are like uh, 20 to 30 billion Hong Kong dollar uh, economic loss due to air pollution in uh, one year alone. And uh, that tells us the um, severity um, of the issue. Uh, for us, we have seen a process that um, uh, due to government policy change, there's, there, there has been a significant reduction of air pollution uh, at the roadside and at the ambient level, but then we are still uh, falling short uh, of the level recommended by 
um, uh, World Health Organization uh, recommended safe level. So we are falling short by around uh, 500% uh, at the road side. So, um, uh, I mean, it's a big gap to close. And we have to do this or else uh, a lot of people will still um, be affected um, by the issue uh, at a daily basis. And I think um, that would translate to uh, all the societal uh, economic um, uh, incentive for all sectors to do more. Um, that includes the governments, the corporate, and then uh, the community. I think uh, what we see over the, the past 10 years is that uh, people are convinced that it is a problem to be solved. But then um, they wanted to understand more how they could do um, uh, uh, to do more in order to address the problem effectively. So I think uh, for the next phase of our work, uh, we would also like to explore more um, on this front. How do we open up more windows or platforms uh, for many other sectors who are not scientists, who do not necessarily have a lot of uh, resources um, uh, to invest, but then to contribute to the um, clean air issue. 500% above the World Health Organization's safety limits. That's crazy. So what about some of the programs or initiatives that Clean Air Network runs in order to raise awareness, like you said, and promote more people to be interested in improving air pollution in Hong Kong? So uh, we're trying to arouse awareness among all sectors, but we need to start with something. And uh, schools, corporate, and then community organization uh, or, uh, or the groups that we think uh, we could do that in, um, in short term. So we are actually organizing uh, a Clean Air Day project uh, starting this year. And we have a plan to run this for consecutively for three years. So by the end of uh, 2025, uh, we hope that um, the government as well as all major corporate with a headquarter in Hong Kong, and then most schools in Hong Kong would observe or endorse uh, the Cleaner Day, um, similar to what we see uh, like um, uh, the World Environmental Day or even uh, the Casual Wear Day, that there's something that they could do in order to um, signify that they're supporting uh, to clean air. So this one thing. And secondly, um, uh, uh, underneath uh, our empowerment uh, branch, uh, we are working with uh, some of the schools in Hong Kong. For example, we have a uh, student council for clean air and we run this for five years now. And every year there's a essay competition and then a clean air conference uh, to gather uh, all secondary school students together and then uh, to look at what's the um, most um, hot issue uh, in terms of um, uh, the air pollution uh, areas. So we would invite uh, experts uh, from different um, fields, uh, for example, air science, public health, transport, urban planning, uh, to um, enlighten the students on what more uh, people can do towards this issue. And then we look forward to expanding uh, the student council to even more schools uh, in Hong Kong. Now let's get into what all of us can really do in terms of incorporating activism into our everyday lives. Of course, most environmental issues do require huge policy level changes to solve. But what are some small actions that individuals can take to support a particular cause, whether it's clean air or plastic pollution, whatever they're interested in? I think um, uh, we understand it might be difficult to 
convince people that individual action could solve a really big action, but we have seen that. So collective action, um, uh, adding together, can drive huge momentum, and we'd like to see that in Hong Kong. Um, one principle, I think, is that uh, how individual could absorb that particular issue and become something that they believe in it. Uh, for example, if we talk about uh, green diet, uh, go for vegetarian. I'm a vegetarian for more than 10 years now, and then I do see a strong correlation between um, uh, my dietary uh, habit uh, with the environmental issues out there. But then if um, I don't, uh, if imagine I'm not um, uh, convinced about this, then uh, it's possible for me to drop this habit in a relatively short term. So my advice is that um, understand the logic or knowledge behind uh, all the issues um, you are interested in and then find a way to contribute. There are ways to um, uh, for individuals to contribute to clean air in daily life. For example, as mentioned, go green because uh, it could help uh, to reduce uh, whatever produced uh, from the uh, farming, agriculture, um, unnecessary uh, emissions. So that's number one. And secondly, if you are driving, uh, consider to uh, drive uh, electric vehicles. We understand that it is not a total solution because our uh, power generation is still um, by the fossil fuel. But then at some point we need to um, uh, roll the ball first and then to get the habit going. So switch to electric or hydrogen vehicle um, in the future. And then thirdly, um, we have discussed this uh, for a lot of time. So uh, think about switch to uh, public transport uh, instead of um, uh, getting an individualized uh, motorized uh, transport that would help uh, to reduce uh, vehicular traffic jam and then that would um, help to reduce um, uh, uh, air pollution uh, at the roadside. So these are a couple of things that we can do uh, at the outdoor, uh, whereas in the indoor, I think there's something that we could uh, try. For example, um, do the right planting uh, indoor. So there are um, evidence showing that indoor planting could help uh, people in a lot of ways. For example, uh, getting us uh, more relaxed, um, being mindful, uh, basically get us uh, more comfortable. But then uh, it also helps to um, uh, reduce the air pollution indoor. So uh, find a way, get, do some research to understand what kind of planting would help. And then uh, maybe some of us would um, have less uh, consciousness about this would be uh, try to uh, cook in different ways. So instead of frying um, your food materials, whether it's uh, fish, um, it's chicken, or, or plant-based uh, diet, uh, do steaming. So steam would produce less air pollution. So uh, these are uh, some small habits that uh, everybody can do. I think the, the, the thinking is really to get the awareness going and then try to uh, connect to um, the groups that are are doing this for a long time and you, you know more uh, how you could contribute uh, to the issues. I love what you said about rowing the boat, boat first. I think that's great advice. What advice would you also give to someone who is passionate about making a difference but actually just really unsure of where to start at all? What's, what's your take for someone who's completely new to being an, an activist but wants to be one? Um, I think uh, with all the all the equipment we have um, and also the social media, there are a lot of opportunity for us to get involved, um, find the um, social course that um, uh, that you, you, you find interesting or you're keen to support. 
and then um, understand what's the gap out there. Uh, talk to the organization who have been uh, driving this, and then uh, basically to uh, make yourself um, useful. And then there are a lot of ways to do that. Um, uh, for example, initiate some small action, initiate a run, initiate um, a visit to the underprivileged, uh, initiate something among your social circle to get it going. So the thinking is almost like um, uh, uh, being an athlete. Uh, if you are disciplined enough, uh, at some point you may be better at some kind of sport. And then I use this uh, analogy to, um, uh, you know, to uh, try to um, get you inspired about uh, how you can do things in a systematic, disciplined way uh, to support a social cause that you find interesting or, or that clicks. And I think uh, ultimately, as you do more, you know more. As you know more, and then you do more. So it's a positive cycle that I think uh, would uh, eventually get you into um, kind of the um, activism. As an NGO, do you run many initiatives that are open to the public that people can join? Or maybe people can volunteer or donate as well. What are some of the things that people can do to support your organization? So the Cleaner Network is hosting, um, I think annually there will be one uh, public facing awareness building um, activities that could be um, about um, art perspective to arouse awareness and that could and also there could be um, student based um, uh, event and uh, basically to enhance knowledge level among all sectors. So there are bits and parts um, that I think individual could support. We welcome donations. Uh, we welcome uh, collaboration ideas. We understand that um, uh, uh, there are more resourceful institutions in Hong Kong, for example, uh, the corporate who, who acquired um, knowledge um, or expertise that uh, some of the less resourceful institutions in Hong Kong would need it in order to solve their um, air quality issues. For example, in schools in Hong Kong, uh, one of the things that we're working on, um, or one of the visions we're having, is to clean up the air for all classrooms in Hong Kong. But imagine that uh, there are like 1,000 schools in Hong Kong and 20,000 classrooms in Hong Kong. We're starting baby steps. Uh, we're doing a small trial among eight schools in Hong Kong. But then um, after multiple years, maybe five to six years, I think we'll at the point that uh, we could convince uh, the sectors, uh, the corporate and the government that uh, the problem is genuine. So it is a, a problem that all classrooms or, or, or schools um, uh, would face in their daily life. And then we would also like to demonstrate the solution is feasible. So um, it is a uh, operational, uh, financial and then technological feasible solution. And then uh, once we demonstrate uh, both of these, I think um, uh, it is possible for other sectors, including the government, to intervene uh, to, uh, for example, do a full implementation uh, in all schools in Hong Kong. And then along the way, we would desperately need uh, support uh, from anyone, either being a volunteer or either do um, uh, research uh, to look at uh, all the data we collect from uh, many schools. And then uh, also for those who have the expertise uh, to support us uh, on the R&D side. So this is uh, uh, the things that we are working at the moment. While we're here, is it possible for us to do a tour of your office as well? Maybe we can see how an NGO runs. Yeah.
Okay, so uh, this is the office space that we are operating. We're working with other, we're sharing the office with other NGOs as well. So there are social um, NGOs and then there are environmental NGOs. And then um, here is the um, headquarter, the office space of the Clean Air Network. And then um, some of us are working um, uh, on the school front. So we try to clean up uh, the air for all classrooms in Hong Kong. We're starting small. And then some of us are working on the uh, policy research. So they usually look at uh, the policy paper, work with the media, work with the uh, policy makers. And then there are those um, who try to figure out um, the planning of the um, organization. So we need to grow the organization. We need to develop uh, capacity of the organization. So these are the couples, um, kind of the units or departments of um, uh, our team. And with that, I think it's a great way to end our conversation. Thank you so much, Patrick, for speaking with me today and talking all about being an environmental activist. It was great to pick your brain and let everyone know what they can do to also join the fight and advocate for a cause that they're passionate about. So thank you. Thank you, Sally. wonderful to hear all about how Clean Air Network operates and the work they do to improve air quality in Hong Kong. While air pollution is a passion of mine, it might not be yours. Maybe you're passionate about sustainable fashion, or maybe it's plastic waste that really gets you riled up. All of us can take a few minutes to really have a think about what environmental issue you'd like to be an activist for in whatever way possible. I'm quite curious to know what kind of sustainability related issues people are most passionate about. So I asked some of you what you'd like to campaign for. Here are some of the responses that I got. Hi, my name is Cornelia and one of the current environmental issues I care the most about is consumer-based marine pollution. I'm a big water sports girl when I'm in Hong Kong, so sadly I come face to face with the problem quite regularly. Of course there are various pledges and mitigation plans for teams, Green Dragons comes to mind, but there are limits to what you can do when you're not really the source of the problem. Hi, my name is Samantha. The environmental issue I care the most about and would like to campaign for is global warming because it is threatening the lives of many people around the world. Hi, my name is Marco. The sustainability issue I care the most about and would want to advocate for is the overuse of plastic because not only is it bad for the environment through the production of it, uh, the space that it crowds up after we use it only once. It's also quite harmful for the health of us when we use it for our food, for the water that we drink. So yeah. Hi, my name is Kelly. The environmental issue I care the most about and would want to campaign for is plastic pollution and plastic waste. Hi, my name is Andreas and the sustainability issue I care the most about and want to advocate for is the loss of biodiversity around the world. My name is Amisha Jain. The sustainability issue is the ailing planet, the declining health of this planet due to overpopulation, global warming, deforestation. I loved all these answers. It seems as though there's really something out there that everyone could be doing for the planet. And the emphasis really is on the word doing, getting out there and making a difference. 
Remember, activism can come in many forms, whether it's telling your friends about a particular topic or going out and joining an initiative run by a charitable organization. I know that our efforts won't be wasted, no matter how tiny it might seem, like getting your entire community to bring their own bottle or ditch meat for a whole day. I really believe that if all of us were willing to make these little tweaks to our lives, it would make a difference. I just want to say it's been such a fun journey for me over the past eight weeks. We've learned so much about everything from sopping up beef to shopping without packaging, fighting food waste and supporting circular fashion. Of course, as the vegan, I particularly enjoyed taking you to a sustainable plant-based restaurant and cooking up a beef-free dish at home. With that, I'm Sally Ho, and I hope that this series has shown you that all the small steps we take has the potential to create a big impact. Mm -hmm.